Welcome to Rocco's Ruckus. Thank you, Mark. Welcome back, everybody. Today we will be discussing the characters of Frankenstein, what they contribute to the story, and their characterization throughout. Our returning guests, Mark, Hayden, Kosi, and John, will provide riveting commentary and detailed analysis, along with your host, Rocco Marino. Today, let's start off with Kosi and see what he has to say. Starting off today, I'll be focusing on Henry Clairvaux, Victor's best friend. Henry is a minor character that is used a lot, utilized as juxtaposition to Frankenstein's character. Clairvaux and Frankenstein follow the same path of romanticism, which focus on knowledge and exploration. However, Frankenstein went overboard with that fact. Romanticism is a major motif in Frankenstein, and every character in the novel encompasses some archetypal aspect of it. Henry is used to follow Frankenstein midway through the book, as Henry is characterized as a jovial, dedicated researcher just starting his path on the way to knowledge. However, Frankenstein is disillusioned and jaded with his path of research, as it has caused the deaths of many of his friends and more to follow, specifically his best friend. Clairvaux's death serves as another regret for Frankenstein and serves as a reminder that the monster is relentless in, pursu in his pursuit and almost omnipotent in, his, omnipotent in his character. For more tor torment, Victor thinks he's done with his monster after throwing his equipment in the ocean, which is an allusion to baptism. However, the monster murders the strongest worldly connection Victor has. Now we'll go on to the protagonist, Victor Frankenstein, presented by Hayden. Thank you, Kosi. I want to analyze Victor Frankenstein, the main character, because he is responsible not only for the monster itself, obviously, but also its temper, which he actually did have a fact a chance. I'm going to make the argument that for the most part, Victor is a static character. He becomes a static character after the creation of his monster, which technically makes him dynamic, but that shift only happens once and is at the very, very beginning of the text. He remains constant throughout the novel, Therefore, it's reasonable to say that he is a static character. Him being a static character actually ends up what causes the monster so much torment. Firstly, Victor remains adamant about hating the monster. Even when the monster talks to Victor, Victor still finds it horrid and disgusting. These same emotions are unchanging and what causes Victor to trash the companion that he was working on for the monster. This causes the monster to be even more so filled with hate towards his creator. Do you guys think that if Victor was willing to change, may have been able to remedy the temper of his creation? That's a great question, Hayden. Personally, I do think that it's possible that he could have been able to remedy this, you know, his creation and maybe calm him down or something like that, but the, you know, the truth of the situation is obvious. I mean, the monster has done some very contentable things, you know, such as killing uh, William and, you know, framing Justine for it. It's, it's pretty obvious that the monster still needs to get justice one way or another, so... I think that it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a asking a question like that might, you know, pose the idea that maybe we could have, you know, changed this and then the monster wouldn't have had to get justice for what he's done. But it's pretty obvious that, you know, we can't just brush the things that he's done under the rug. It's pretty bad. But I kind of wanted to focus on uh, the Delacy's and, you know, that dynamic that they have. Um, I honestly found it really interesting, the section about the Delacy's, you know, seeing the uh, Frankenstein interact with someone who hasn't immediately hated him and, you know, talk directly to someone who hasn't immediately just, like, assumed he's a, you know, grotesque, grotesque monster and all that. Um, but I do find it really, uh, compelling and maybe even telling about, like, 
the historical background and how people were treated who were different in this time period, you know, maybe in real life, that, you know, it, it shows that maybe Mary Shelley thought that people weren't compassionate enough and judged maybe way too much about, you know, overlooks instead of, uh, you know, just caring about the actual character of the person. And I think the DeLacy's do a really good job of showing that. I'd like to mention some commonalities between the monster and Justine. At first, it may not be very obvious what these two may have in common. One is an odious monster whom everyone disassociates with, and the other is a fair lady who has friends and family that care for her. However, given some further thought, the similarities between the monster and Justine begin to emerge. For example, both the monster and Justine have received unfair judgments from their societal peers. The monster is ostracized on account of his repulsive appearance, which he cannot control. Justine is, is accused of murder, which she did not commit. Nobody was willing to give Justine a chance, the way nobody is willing to give the monster a chance. Further embroiled in the irony of the similarities which these two have in common is the fact that the monster is actually the cause of Justine's suffering. She is likely the only person who could relate to his situation, and yet she is dead. That's all I have to say on that subject. That is all for our episode today. Thank you for listening.